welcome to a new episode of Young, Broke and Sharp, the podcast for the ambitious living oxymoron. We are in season two, as you guys already know, and I'm super excited for our next guest. I'm a super fan. I'm a fangirl. And I'm so happy that she could curve out some time in this corona crisis or whatever we're going to call this um, <laughs> to do the podcast with me. Um, she is a 32-year-old German U.S. American, by the way, of Native American, African, and Caribbean American. We definitely have to talk about that. Ooh, oh, my I'm already, God. I'm That's already so curious. <laughs> I'm already so curious. Um, she's a dance and a performing artist. She's actually more than that. She's also a writer. You're also a writer. Aspiring. Okay, aspiring writer. Um, you're also kind of like a film director as well, kind of sort of mm. creative director, I would say. Yeah. Your current WhatsApp status is the heart black heart emoji. Yeah. And uh, a favorite life quote does not exist for now, but maybe we'll find some at the end uh, of the podcast. Yeah. So let us welcome Sophie Yukiko. Yes. Hey, Woo-hoo. thanks for having me. You're welcome. Did I say your name right? Um. Yes, you did. Okay, very yeah. good. Yukiko, where does that come from? So um, that is a Japanese name. I mm. um, my I personally am not of any Japanese heritage, um, but uh, both of my parents come from very um, Christian families, mm-hmm. and both of my parents um, left the church as an institution years ago before I was born and Mm -hmm. uh, for themselves found enlightenment and truth in the teachings of Buddhism. Mm -hmm. And then they travel to Asia a lot. And obviously their mentors, they found mentors there and um, yeah, they became part of, I would say collective or like family structure uh, Mm -hmm. within those teachings. And so their mentor gave um, second names to all of their children. So to me and my um, two sisters. So that's really interesting. Yeah. So um, that's how I I came um, with this name. And um, I love this name very much. And um, does it have a specific meaning? Yes, it has two meanings um so it means it is usually a name that is giving given to people that are born in december so it can mean december born Mm. which is not quite accurate because i came like a couple days early so my birthday is 29th of november but who cares are you scorpio you know i'm a i'm a sagittarius oh we thank god I thought I was like, oh, we're not going to make it today. <laughs> Girl, we made it this far. Come on. No, I'm a Sagittarius. And um, yes, so uh, I came a couple of days early, but I was supposed to be born in December. But also just for um, children that are born in winter, because it also means um, snowflake or ah. snow. And um, it means uh, peacefulness also. So as a peaceful snowflake, I come along. And uh, yes, so I love that name very much. And both of my parents are very spiritual people and they both still practice Buddhism Buddhism very actively. And yes, that's just part of my upbringing. So I'm, yeah, I'm super happy with that name. Also, Yukiko became my ballroom name. So 
obviously that name means a lot to me not to you yeah yeah, yeah. It's super interesting, but you, so from what I from what I just read in your kind of like intro or your announcements, um, you're Native American, African, and Caribbean American. So how like how did in German? Yeah, I don't know why I didn't mention the German. I'm like, <laughs> I'm just gonna ignore that part. Yeah. No. So I it, like the thing that you sent me. I just filled it out yesterday because I did like I didn't know um what it was for. Like usually yeah. when people ask me what my heritage is or where I'm from, I would say I'm German and American. I would say that because mm-hmm. I hold a German passport and I hold an US American passport. Also, uh, when it comes to culture, I was born and raised in Germany and I have a German father and a German part of the family. And um, like the the children's stories and books that I grew up with and like the values that my German grandparents gave me, there's a lot of German culture that has influenced me. And mm-hmm. then obviously um, uh, my mother is from Philadelphia. And um, when I was two years old, brought her mother to live with us. So obviously so your grandma my grandma my um african-american grandma lived with us in germany so yeah those are people that raised me so the cultures that influenced me directly are um african-american and german how did we actually meet girl somebody else asked us this before i I knew this question was gonna come but i can't i think we met i think we met through my ex-boyfriend is that true i'm like i i want to say the same because this is like the most prevalent memory that i have but the fact that you are from the northwest west side <laughs> of Germany, and I am too, I feel like we've probably already met in Düsseldorf or in Cologne yeah. somehow. Because when he introduced us, and he, sh- I, no, he d- actually did not introduce us, he first showed me a picture of you. And I, f- I, I said that I know yeah, you. Yeah, and I feel like so... I remember that one time when uh, we were all meeting for coffee in Berlin. And then both of us, mm-hmm. we were like, but we know each other. Don't? Like, I was like, Jenna, I know yeah. you. It will come back in a second where I actually know you from. And I just never thought mm-hmm. about it again because like, oh, my God, my days in um, in West Germany just in, seems in so the far away. <laughs> just like everything. Yeah, that's kind blur. of a blur, right? So, um, mm. yeah, I don't really remember. But like, you were just there. <laughs> Well, let's let's give it, let's yeah. give it to him then. He introduced us. Okay, cool. Then that's not a spectacular story, but it's still uh, good to know. So, um, I definitely want to touch on um, actually your profession and what you do yeah. professionally, which is being a yeah. dancer, because that's what I'm fangirling <laughs> you for. I'm also fangirling you for your activism and how informed and um, well articulated you are right, in that aspect. Because like... I. <laughs> No, definitely, because I, I know that... That I is have... not even true. I'm going to stop you <laughs> right there. I'm you can ask a question aware. in a second, but I remember us two sitting on this panel, like, last year somewhere in December, and I was just, like, thinking literally, <laughs> looking to my right in this, like, middle ground thing that we did, and I was like, I need yeah. to step up my fucking game because Nana sounds on point. On oh, I did. Point. Oh, thank you so much. Like, best words, so articulate. Like, yeah. Oh, so I'm just, just putting that there. But yeah, I'm a dancer. Yes. Yes. Were you already dancing as a child? Like, I was did you already dancing as a child. That? Yeah. Um, my mother was wow. a um, very successful contemporary dancer. 
So um, oh. I can't even remember my first dance class, honestly, because she just, that was just what I did. So um, mm-hmm. yeah, she, that is just what I did. <laughs> and um, that is what mm-hmm. I then kept doing. Um, and I, I, and were you intentional about moving towards that as a career so, or was it very like natural because i've like i think because my sisters had the same upbringing and we were all in ballet training as a very very young age um throughout mm-hmm. our entire childhood and early years of teenage years and um mm-hmm. i think the difference between me and them when it comes to profession, because uh, both of them don't dance anymore. I think for Mm -hmm. them, it was more to actively make the decision to stop than that it was Mm. an active decision for me to do it because that is just that we, Mm. what we did and I never made the active decision to not do it because I, that's just what I wanted to do. So um, Mm. since I was already always moving into that, that direction and I didn't know no other um things mm-hmm. just happen and then um they just kept happening also the way that I found my way into the industry which for some people is quite hard to to mm-hmm. find a momentum on where can I actually start working and how do I start yeah. to work then tell tell us about that because if that's difficult then how how did it come so about for you I must say I was really really lucky so um actually if it wasn't for um, a woman in the industry who had, she's a few years older than me and she had started working professionally prior to me working. And um, mm-hmm. I don't have, when it comes to commercial dancers um, in Germany, a lot of them have um, a full dancing back. A formal, formal training, training, a full dancing background. Mm-hmm. Um, I never had mm-hmm. that because very early uh, I wasn't interested in the classical dances anymore. And um, I was more interested in uh, subculture dances like mm-hmm. um, house, um, especially house um, or hip hop, mm-hmm. um, but mainly house that I really loved and I wanted to learn and um, there's no schools for that. There's no, that is just yeah. culture. So um, I didn't have that. I didn't come from a musical school or from a um, b- b- ballet school. I didn't study dance. Um, mm-hmm. And before I could make any, before I could lose any thought on how the lack of that would um would have any input on my career or make a career difficult, Mm -hmm. I already started working because there was this girl that I talked about before. Um, Her name is Cordula. Mm -hmm. I'm very thankful that I met her. Um, And she, Mm -hmm. she's, um, she's biracial as well. We're um, about the Mm -hmm. same height. Um, Back in the day, we were pretty similar, similar also when it comes to body type. Um, and uh, she just needed a sub for a job, for a booking that she couldn't do for some reason. Mm-hmm. 
and mm -hmm. um she just literally asked me if I could sub for her so she could get out of the contract because in in those days there were not too many girls of this type in the industry and they're still not I mean we'll we'll get to that later mm -hmm. but like it is it yeah. is a handful of um black women and all of them are very different from from each other so it's mm -hmm. not like oh I got like If this person, like, for instance, if you have, if I'm. They have like one light skin girl, one dark skin girl. More or less. With like loose more curls, less. one with braids. That's one with cornrows and that's Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's yeah. a good way to put it. That's more or less it. So mm. it starts to change eventually like a little bit, but that is only very recent. Mm. But like back in 2008 or nine, that that wasn't the case at all so you really would just have like yeah four people five people and i'm talking about the whole country um yeah, yeah. so then she yeah i feel like currently that it has opened up for yeah girls. yeah but boxing girls i still feel the only person that i see is the there's Fatu, <laughs> who's who who is oh, amazing okay. amazing amazing but it is still like okay besides Fatu, then there's gifty from hamburg but the fact that i can just mm -hmm. say their names like okay i yeah. know that there's more than one but then then there's three yeah. if i think a little bit harder then maybe it's five but it's still the, the entire country and yeah. like if you now ask me if yes. i can find you a blonde um a blonde girl for for i can mm -hmm. Like, I wouldn't know where do I start, you know? So um, mm. it is still like there's, we don't at all have to talk about how inclusive it is or whatever. So it is changing. But like back yeah. in the day, she just really needed a sub. And then she asked me and mm -hmm. it was kind of like a little kick into the cold water because I was doing, I just showed up at the at the time and and the place where she told me that I have to be. Um, mm -hmm. and I met the choreographer and we just started and I didn't know, I didn't know anything. <laughs> mm. I didn't know anything. I mean, I was in theater pieces before in my entire life. Um, I was yeah. also in big theater, um, productions by the age of 15, 16. But that is a complete different way of working than being on a commercial show where people, it's a business and you need to smile and you need to look a certain way and it's a specific crowd and you want to sell something. It was completely different than from yeah. everything that I knew. And she just pushed me into this and then I met other people and then I was just very lucky that the people that um, I was around with on my first jobs, they were very experienced and very kind. And they just kind of shaped me and helped me navigate through through this industry. Um, and especially um, mm -hmm. Cordela, she just kept, she just kept um, dropping my name and putting me into different uh, productions and, um, putting mm -hmm. me as a sub wherever she could. And then at some point mm -hmm. it just took off. It just um, kept going. So what what is the difference between a commercial dancer and a dancer, so, I guess? There's a million different ways in, in how you can make it, how you can be a dancer. There's so many mm -hmm. different ways of dancing. And I find it very sad that not 
all dances, but there's many dancers that don't see that for themselves or for other mm -hmm. dancers. Me personally, since I've been, I've been lucky to experience myself so many different facets of dancing and art, mm -hmm. dance art, mm -hmm. I am very aware of how different your life can be as a dancer. So you, depending, depending on the dance, on the dance style, style, but also depending just on your personal decision. So you can, you can, let's say you're a hip hop dancer. Let's say that is your preferred style. You can, mm -hmm. with that skill, if you're good, you can make a decision whether you want to be in theater and in the art world, or if you want to be in the commercial mm -hmm. world and in the show business, or... Mm -hmm. So commercial work would be like yeah, that is tour like, with artists or dancing exactly, for TV like productions. Look at, okay. Exactly, or music everything that is that okay. comes mm -hmm. from a commercial use where dancers have a commercial use in like the show entertainment or fashion industry, I would say music industry. So everything where dancers okay. are put as a, for like a commercial purpose um, that. So when it would be like theater or musical, then that would not be commercial. That's like culture. Exactly. Or... So then if you go into the theater okay, world, um, I think yeah. musical is interesting because it's, I feel like a kind of in-between moment, but I would definitely put it more on like the theater world kind of because your life is more like that then with daily shows and like repeating mm -hmm. stuff um, and also from the skills that you need to have if you're in that but like mm -hmm. yeah so there's different ways you can you can you're a hip-hop dancer you can say i want to do i want to do um theater pieces and be in contemporary i want to be part of a company maybe and tour with this theater mm -hmm. piece that is about i don't know migration or whatever and tour the world with that mm -hmm. or you could say um mm -hmm. yeah i want to um i want to be in the show business and and do all that And then you could also put your focus mm -hmm. on, you could also put your focus on, I want to teach workshops and be just part of like um, the world of teaching and like travel mm -hmm. and like give, give workshops and be like a teacher and have like a lot of YouTube videos and maybe like a big social media following. Um, there's just like so many different ways. And, um, and, and if you limit like, I think it's important to put a focus on what is important to you because these different things need different skills, obviously. So um, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. if you want to work in the commercial world and be successful in it, there's a few things that you have to bring. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. And then also there's other things that you have to be able to bring if you want to work in successful um, theater pieces and with like amazing theater choreographers choreographers and directors what would you say are the like the top three things that you need to bring or you need to have in mind when you want to do con like commercial and maybe the top three things that people need to know Ooh, if they that want is to an the interesting culture question <laughs> and that is important for our listeners to know who want to okay, be in the so, dancing world so the top three things that i personally would say for the commercial world for to be a commercial dancer You have to be mm -hmm. incredibly quick at picking up. With that, I mean mm -hmm. that le learning, learning the, the dance, dance in a versatile way. Because 
if you work in the commercial world, maybe one show you do will be um, will be more influenced by more standard dances and have like maybe lifts with and partnerings and stuff like that more mm -hmm. technical things then maybe the next show you do is more like a jazz dance routine and then maybe the next show is very hip-hop e yeah so you have mm -hmm, to be mm -hmm. super quick in adapting the style that somebody gives you and also the specific moves that somebody gives you because the goal in this is not that that people see what you, what dance comes out of you the goal most of the times mm -hmm. is that there's like 20 people who form a picture on a stage that resonates mm. with the camera and that you're not it's not you're not a solo performer in this you make a picture you're part mm -hmm. of a bigger creation um mm. it's so about, about symmetry. symmetry it is about um under understanding the stage understanding the bigger picture so i think like the first thing is mm. really important is to be able to pick and adapt really really quickly also because if there's rehearsals there's just a certain amount of time and you just have to bring it there's no time for you to learn it again and again and again like you just have to be there and and mm. know yeah pick it up pick it that, up i think is super important and then the the second Thing that I find super important for me um, I think is also what I said before is that you understand the bigger picture is that you mm -hmm. understand um, a complete stage and not just dance your dance for yourself but understand okay can I keep staging can I keep a formation um, can I work a camera like there's so many other things that will influence you can you just mm -hmm. adapt to the overall situation and understand the overall situation and that also means mm -hmm. to be flexible with the choreographer is changing something and before it was like mm. this but now it's like this or um yeah before you were in the front side or now you have to dance everything to your left side or now you have to switch partners and just you know understand the overall process mm. of a production and be patient also um like um yes be patient which feeds into point three mm -hmm. which is like a work ethic because mm -hmm. you can be an amazing dancer if your work ethic is is if you're if you're late if if you have um if you don't understand um if you're not supportive of a team if you're not patient um if you don't understand certain hierarchies in the moment um nobody wants to hear your opinion right now maybe you're like an amazing choreographer as well but right now you're not booked for that you're booked to be a dancer so unless somebody asks you you should just know your place. No, it is true Ooh. because, like, if Im mm -hmm. imagine you have like, no, I find it super. Yeah, interesting. it is. That's but be, imagine Ooh. the situation of having like seven super creative, super super amazing dancers um, on one spot, and everybody mm -hmm. is also super yeah. um, talented as a choreographer and vocal. super vocal. 
you won't get anywhere mm. because there's always a million yep. ways to do something. And also you have to understand that you never mm. have all of the information, but the choreographer and the art director, mm. they have the information. Maybe something that they now decided doesn't make sense to you from where you stand, mm -hmm. but you have to understand that right now that is not your job because it is somebody else's job to make the whole thing look good. And if they already know how the stage is going to look like at the end or the light or if uh, whatever, if there's a car going to be coming in or whatever, and they need to change something accordingly, then just do it. Don't start mm -hmm. a discussion. Yeah. And then the normal yeah. things, be on time, be prepared, be aware. Maybe you don't want to start doing a warm up when people say it's standby. Maybe you really want to be standby. Um, yeah. So overall work ethic. Yes. That's super interesting. Okay. And then like in contrast to the theater world, what would be the three top things to know or be yeah, I think aware of in there? In the theater world, it is a little bit harder to say because um, mm -hmm. every director and every choreographer is so different. And um, mm -hmm. people are, people want different things from you. So um, maybe for one production, With this one choreographer, it will have to be mandatory that your ballet technique is incredible because maybe for exact mm -hmm. that piece, that is what is required. Yeah. So then, mm -hmm. then that is what counts the most. But then maybe there's another piece mm -hmm. where um, for people it is super important that you're a strong solo dance performer, which is not everybody's main skill, mm -hmm. but maybe for that piece, it is super important. So it is hard to say, but I think in general, mm -hmm. one could say, which maybe is not helpful because this is very general, but I think in general, if you want to work in like super creative spaces as in theater, as a performer, mm -hmm. you have to be in a place where you are not afraid to share because you have to share mm. a lot. The choreographer or director can only work with what you show of yourself. So you have to mm -hmm. be in a space where you find access to what you can share, like emotions, intentions, and that transforming into movement. Um, so, mm. so yeah, being very yeah, vulnerable. Yeah, I think, yeah, I would say, mm. so I would say, mm -hmm. I would say in a way, yes. I mean, there's a lot of people, also artists and performers that wouldn't um, label themselves as necessarily vulnerable people because um, mm -hmm. they maybe not be people that talk openly about their private um, situations or they're in a world. In but a in world, that moment yeah. when they perform, they become vulnerable. They share something. You have to be able to share something. If you... Mm. That's what people say when they say, I'm leaving Exactly, all you have to be able to do that because yeah. um, in theater, it doesn't work that somebody only gives you from outside a specific movement like it does like when you work mm. for a show or whatever. It is not the same thing. Like people, There's things required from you. You have to show something from inside so that something can be built. And mm. So you're part of the developing of the... Sure. Yeah. So your input yeah, is Yeah, yeah, definitely well. um, you have to be able to just um, give give something and show something. So, And mm. then in, in most pieces, I would say you're also part of the developing project, but also a developing 
process, but also that varies. Um, so I think mm-hmm. that is super important that you, you are able to share. Then um, I think what else for theater? I think you have. So you said with, for example, you said with um, commercial, the castings are quite speedy. Yeah. So you have to pick yeah. up stuff really fast. And the, sh- the show happens only yeah. once. So then that's that. Is there like a contrast to the theater? How do like other castings there? Do they take more time? So do you have to be more also, patient? Also, that varies so much. Are you being paid that less? Varies so much. It really, really, really varies from production to production, from brand to brand, from theater to theater, from company to company. So, mm-hmm. um, I have never attended like a company casting, but those can be quite intense and go um, over many days. Mm-hmm. The, theater company. I've never been to one, oh, but I know company. that they can be super intense mm-hmm. um, because mm-hmm. that choreographer is trying to work with you for like years, maybe. So they really want to get to know mm-hmm. you and get like the last bit out of your body and see what is there to understand what potentials mm-hmm. are there. Um, and then also sometimes you go to a casting for a theater piece and it's maybe not even, so I can't really tell because it's, so different but I would say definitely the second thing that is important if you want to work like in the arts world besides that you want to share is that you need to have a level of curiosity um Mm. when it comes to movement like um you have to have a curiosity to deconstruct certain movements and and search through movement and find connections between intent and movement and put movement in different contexts and um i think for dance theater like this curiosity is what you need also to understand the or to endure the whole process of making a theater piece which is so much trial and error And if you're not a person that is like Mm. interested in the process of finding and figuring out things, this can be very draining because Mm -hmm. you're like, I just want to dance a beautiful piece. But, but along to Mm. to make it that there's going to be so much ugliness (laughs) and so much weird movements (laughs) and so much, this feels like this, let's figure this out. So, um, so I would say curiosity is super important. We can also mention no, another one good. if you have I one on your like tongue. Like, I think what I said is like to me the most important that I can think of in general because important. again, it varies so much like when it comes to directors or because for example, just to give like a different example, me, me right now I'm uh, creating yeah. a dance theater piece, my first um, evening filling piece and I didn't even cast mm-hmm. because the people, the performance that I want in it, they inspire me so much that I already, this piece came along in my head because I know these people, you know? So like that can Mm. also be something. So obviously if like one of them can't do it due to timing or whatever, um, because everything right now is not happening in the timing that we were all hoping for due to Corona. And maybe then like in a, in like seven you, months, the person is like, okay, but now I'm going to go on tour with somebody, whatever. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, then I would have to cast somebody for that specific part. But other than that, that is also an option. Like 
for for my piece, I won't even cast anyone because I want exactly those people, and that can also happen. Um, I think in general, if you want to dance, no matter how in what space you want to dance, it is the most beautiful thing if you if you understand that dance is such a versatile thing and that you can find your niche mm -hmm. within it and put focus on that, but still mm -hmm. stay open to other things because they might the, be required yeah, but for also like It is also a beautiful experience to make to be like, oh, I'm in this theater piece. And then the next moment, I'm also having a job and going on tour with this person. Um, and mm -hmm. in the next moment, I am participating. Yeah, doing this doing commercial. In the next moment, yeah. I'm participating in this battle. Um, just to experience mm. dance in a lot of different ways. And if you stay open for that, I think you and your surrounding can only benefit from that. So, yeah. Mm, this is amazing. <laughs> so much knowledge. Oh my God, this is so good. Um, like out of that already came like a billion questions, but I, like one of the questions that definitely is like burning for me is the question of like niche and the development of different dance niches or subcultures, um, like in Germany specifically, because from like what I'm observing, is for example um i like i'm friends yes. with mik family love right? all of them so prince is a good friend of mine shout and his brothers yeah they're amazing and shout out to Beautiful them people <laughs> yeah and then i'm also good friends with eugene like you did about hey, best eugene. friend shout out to um, eugene. and then eugene shout out to eugene he's now yeah, an actor but he's it. still a dancer never he doesn't stop dancing and then i used to work as like a brand like a brand assistant for nikita thompson shout she out just to opened her agency nikita, so. big sister for everybody <laughs> shout out to nikita <laughs> <laughs> and what like i feel like what i was observing I, like i'm not a dancer but i was kind of like walking in that in their world um by the yeah by way of friendships or um, working for, for a, a professional dancer, um, I felt like there was this huge switch of everybody having to learn these new styles that kind of popped up out of nowhere in inverted commas. And so MIK was like giving all these Afrobeats dance workshops and they are still doing that. And then I felt like at the time um, uh, uh, Nikita was like requested for a lot of new styles, which Uh, she was then trying to find dancers who already know how to do them and can like train other dancers in that. Um, uh, at the time, I don't know what they were called. Mm. I don't know if it was called New Style or Jazz. I think it was the time where people were like dancing on very sad songs <laughs> in pairs. Do you remember that time? <laughs> yeah, I mean, like there was this like there was this one like Maxwell. Yeah, joint. yeah, it's kind of like giving like part. contemporary pas de deux contemporary that's the term yeah so that was requested a lot at the time i felt and um and it was like okay how do we get this and then how do we get this african stuff you know and like now how do we get this voguing stuff yeah. i feel you know how like how is your perception of that and how much of what i'm observing is actually so true? i think <laughs> um when it comes to the commercial world the commercial industry they understood mm -hmm. that in times of like social media and just a new generation coming up that they're that the mm -hmm. what young people find interesting and what they gravitate towards to are things that are mm -hmm. ne not necessarily in the um, classic understanding of what you want to show on a stage so 
So people want to see Afro dance and they want to see voguing and they're like, okay, these are styles of dancing that we don't really have a lot of experts around. Um, but we, but mm -hmm. we want to see them now as well on stages and in shows and, um, and adjust to that. And I think, I mean, it's a difficult topic because the topic is always okay when it comes to subcultures and they being commercialized in a way who benefits from mm -hmm. it and who doesn't um what is the intention um who wins who loses um and that mm -hmm. i don't think that um i'm in a place where i can speak in general for how that is and how that should be mm -hmm. um yeah But what would you say is like your like your your personal stance on it? If and let me make it very specific, yeah. so you don't have to go super broad. Like when we think about um, teaching classes in Afro, like Afrobeats dance or voguing dance, yeah. and we train people apply, not people, people yeah. register, they pay for it, right, for the expert to train to train them in those dance moves, and then these dances then go ahead and get booked oh with that i can be with style. that i'm very clear it's very very clear for me so like as long is that a, is that pr is a problem or is it like not if it comes to something so specific as afro dance or voguing mm -hmm. yeah yeah no no i don't agree like honestly i'm not saying that everybody who gets booked for something that is voguing should be me or in my collective that yeah. is not what i'm saying But I'm saying I should yeah. at least know of them because this community is not that big. Mm. And I kind of know mm -hmm. the community. So if I've never heard you, your name before and you are now doing this big commercial, I have a problem. Because the thing is, before you mm -hmm. come, there's a lot of people who owe their stands. And then the other thing is, mm -hmm. you're probably not as good at it. No, but I'm serious. Like because <laughs> these dances take a lot of training. I am I am a professional dancer. I've danced a lot of different styles, a lot of different styles. I would mm -hmm. never, never teach an Afro dance class if people would tell me, "Oh, we would like to book you for this workshop. Can you please please teach Afro dance?" I would never do that. I would never do that, despite like. Of so you, you would, refer, would refer, refer them to them. someone who I would, you know is I would expert. say, I'm sorry, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I am not, this is not my expertise. Please call them at KFM. <laughs> They can help you with this. You should call <laughs> this person, this person, this person. That's Or I would tell them, that is not what I can teach, but I can teach this and this and that. Yeah. So um, I mm -hmm. think it is very exploitive to think that you can just come to a class once and know anything about anything. Mm -hmm. That is not how it works. Like mm. it takes hours and hours and hours of dedication. And then the specific thing, if we talk about dances like um, Afro dance or voguing or also dance or other cultures, is that the word culture mm -hmm. is the ringing alarm thing. So the culture mm -hmm. that it comes, that this dance comes from is so much bigger and broader than the dance itself. So you have to kind of mm. understand the whole thing. You can't just go and like take some moves because these moves have meaning and they mm -hmm. tell story. And if you can't also tell the whole story, 
then I don't think you should like exploit it. You know what I mean? Like you can't, you mm-hmm. can't do Absolutely. that. I'm not saying like, there's nothing wrong. I've been going to dance hall clubs since I was, I don't like way too young. Like I was sneaking into like, the different, <laughs> like especially Cologne has, has or had like a big um, uh, dance hall, uh, scene and community and i was sneaking into those clubs like Mm. doing dancehall queen battles back in the day like i was all about it Uh but like and i would still go and like participate and like all all the culture part of it but like i won't make money of it like yeah it's not my place so Mm. because the culture behind it is so rich and deep rooted and tells so much story um i don't think yeah, I think people should respect some boundaries because dance is culture and culture is often appropriated and we don't need to push that further. Like, um, it is a difference if you're inspired by something, if you get inspired by something, whereas if you try mm-hmm. to copy it and say, like, this is that. I have a problem with that. Dance always mm-hmm, gets mm-hmm. inspired. Like, so if you, if you like, mm-hmm. take on... So let's say someone would be inspired. Let's say there's like a lead choreographer of yeah. a big TV production, whatever. And they're doing yeah. this like big opening segment yeah. um, before the award show. And that choreographer says, oh my God, I'm so yeah. inspired by Afrodance and Voguing. So I want to bring these pieces in there, but I'm not a Afrobeat or Voguing expert because her name is Annika and she knows nothing about that stuff because she learned the yeah, language. Yeah, I would say, say like Annika. That, yeah? <laughs> what, what would be the right way for Annika to move? Should she then... Uh, approach MIK and yeah. you or Melody or someone and they have to, should be their her I co- that is I think I was just about to say that that is always an option I've I've okay. done that before I've been like I can do this part and I have a vision for the whole thing but like I'm not necessarily good at specifically mm-hmm. that so I want for example right now I was working on a piece and I need a stunt assistant for like specific group lifts that is not my main skill. Mm. I'm going to put like the credit and the, um, and the help of um, a co-choreographing stunt director for this. Mm-hmm. And I think everybody should act that mm-hmm. way. Or Anika could like deconstruct it so well that it would just be like a little shout out, not like a specific copy move or like a little shout out to the aesthetic but I must honestly say that that mostly goes wrong people don't really know how to do like how to get inspired by things people usually want to like copy shit yeah just copy and I think especially especially in those two dancers it's pretty it's pretty difficult to to just do like me (laughs) you know to do like a little shout out because both yeah. dances are quite like yeah. out there quite flamboyant right so super interesting so what like how did you get so, to choose your niche? also that kind of just happened by fate <laughs> um i was on a job <laughs> um and there i met georgina um who had mm-hmm. AKA, AKA no, Melody. She right? goes by Georgina, but her the first house that she founded was called the House of Melody. She goes by Georgina oh, and okay. she goes by so she's Georgina, aka Leo. Yes. And um oh, Leo. I met her on a job and we just clicked mm-hmm. right away. And um she she a year before I met her had 
had founded her um, her um, collective, her house, um, mm-hmm. back then House of Melody. And um, she just she just watched me dance and train in between the shows. Back then, I was very much into um, house dance and whacking specifically. I had just started dancing, whacking as a style. And she was looking at me and she was like, mm-hmm. your movement kind of gives like naturally a way for to dance Vogue. What do you know about Vogue? I was like, I know about Vogue, but I can't Vogue and I don't know how to do it. And I never tried. And I didn't really want to. Like I was... I was like, yeah, that's cool, but I'm I'm good with what I have, basically. But then she mm-hmm. asked me if I want to come along with her um, collective to go to a ball. Uh, and I think it was Rotterdam, mm-hmm. Amsterdam. I'm not sure anymore. I can never okay. remember one of them. Was the, when was this like one of the first balls oh, there was existing a... here? Or no, was, no, was no, the no, culture no. already no, very no. No. The, in flourishing? Paris, yeah. And but but in Europe and generally it was very much the beginning states of everything like very much so okay. like very mm-hmm. very much for like like I said like Georgina had had like um, in 2012 I think she she um, founded House of Melody I met her met her in 2013 I think and then 2014 I went to a ball with her. Um, so it was mm. everything was very much in the beginning stages. Uh, Paris definitely was a little bit developed. There was a few things happening in England already, but everything was very very small. So um, I went to this mm-hmm. ball in Holland, um, and it was for those mm-hmm. times a rather bigger function. And um, there, what I saw, I was just sprung, and I was like, okay. I don't understand mm. all of this, but these days today, we use the word unapologetically a lot. We use it a lot mm. for everything. Yeah. Yeah. We use it to just be rude. But basically <laughs> that, but like the real meaning of what it means to be unapologetically anything. I saw it in there mm-hmm. because people mm. were so brutally being being free and free. being loud mm. and bold and beautiful. And at the same time, it was so mm. black and so queer. And mm-hmm. it was just, I just gravitated. No. Did it make you uncomfortable at the time? I gravitated to it so strong. Like, it was like, it was like, oh my God, this, this, like exactly this. It was like somebody would, I don't know, like just take an axe and just cut off chains from my wrists and ankles. That's how it felt like. Wow. Liberation. 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 That's how it was, basically. Mm. Okay. And then you saw it. She took you there. And then? Basically, after I just followed her and her collective's every step. (laughs) I started training mm-hmm. with the uh-huh. House of Melody. Georgina already lived in Berlin by then. I still lived in West Germany, but a lot mm-hmm. of the back then collectives still lived in West Germany. So I became friends with um, with uh, Zoe, who uh, used to be um, a founding member of um, House of 
House of Melody, which is now the House of Saint Laurent, by the way. Mm-hmm. But it was founded at, at mm-hmm. House of Melody. Um, and then last year mm-hmm. we became part, we became the German chapter of a New York City um, founded house called the House of Saint Laurent. But um, back then um, mm-hmm. I trained with Zoe a lot, who is an amazing dancer, artist and performer. And she ultimately became one of my best friends too. Um, mm-hmm. Was very influenced by her skill. Also uh, my back in the day brother, um, Ray, um, who used to be in this collective, uh, influenced me a lot. And I trained with them and learned so much from them. Um, mm-hmm. So in my head, when I when you say train, this means like you guys meet up, rent Yeah, out, so like back then we like... Um, studio Shout room. out to Tanzhaus NRW as well. <laughs> but like the... Um, I ah, say okay. like the different... The different... Um, dancers and collectives that are like um that already have like a name or um do community work as in um do festivals or plan things um for younger generations Mm -hmm. um they they got Mm -hmm. to free uh, they got to train for free especially if they were teaching Mm. So with that, um, we were just spending a lot of time. Basically, whenever I was not working, whenever I was not on the road working for a job, I was with, I was at Tan's house with the house. With the house. And then through that dedication, I became part of the collective. And yeah, it's just the journey. Wow, that's yeah. amazing. I mean, it's also, it's also super amazing that part of being a, being part of the voguing community or of the ball is it a difference if, if i say voguing community so basically or ball house there community? is no i mean i would say tech, i i only use the word, word ballroom community yeah because ballroom sorry voguing yeah. is a part of ballroom culture but the, and it is technically voguing okay. is the dance that emerged out of ballroom culture but if you go to a ball okay. people will um will um will do other styles do and other styles um, as well uh, perform different categories and try to win in different categories that not necessarily have anything to do with dancing so um there's like ah. it's just one out of so many categories and in the ballroom community in the and ballroom um, community. the uh, mm. community is very the culture is very rich and i would think to call it mm-hmm. voguing community would just exclude so much of that culture okay. and the art especially because okay. the whole aesthetic and the the costumes and um, outfits we call them effects like um the whole artistry mm-hmm. around ballroom culture the style the language all of that also mm-hmm. has influenced the stance so much and there's um, so I think mm. it is more accurate to call it ballroom culture or ballroom community. Ballroom. Okay. Community. Okay. Yeah, I guess it's similar to hip hop that there's always still more emerging as, as it grows and progresses and yes, yes. more mature and older. Because I feel with hip hop, it started one way and then so many other nuances came to it because different cultures could identify and then everyone added their spice to it and and it's still growing and there's mm-hmm. still new language being created every year, kind of. Yeah, it style. is. Is it similar? Yeah. 
Would I you mean, say similar? Yeah. No, no, no. I, I mean, yeah, not the same culture. Like a, I mean, the, kind the of just process. So developing. The there's, there, there's, um, yeah. I use that analogy, anal- analogy a lot myself, like trying to explain what happens to um, ballroom culture. I talk a lot about what happened to hip hop culture. And then obviously there's a lot of things that I find amazing, but there's also a lot of things that scare mm-hmm. me because... Oh, perfect, because that would be my next question. What are the Yeah, so, I mean, obviously, it's good to have visibility. And again, the analogy of using hip-hop is the same thing. So without hip-hop culture, um, and not just rap music, but whole hip-hop culture, um, yeah, uh, the like, or let's say, through hip-hop culture, and um, the visibility mm-hmm. visibility of a people increased highly exponentially and, exponentially um, yeah. it made new entrepreneurs and it gave res- yeah and it gave also economic um to art forms that were mm. not respected before like i remember when mm. sean john um, participated in the fashion week the first time most people they're so young they're yep. like who who the hell is sean john that was so huge sean, it's not, <laughs> sean john is pt yeah. he used to be called puff daddy exactly but now you just call him sean john like in the 2000s <laughs> for all the kids who think that the 2000s is retro which they are but like to me that still is crazy but like the in the 2000s um puff, puff Back then, it was P. Diddy. He started his uh, label called Sean John. It was hip hop cool. Like it was triple mm. XL yep. velour, yeah, um, um, baggy pants and like baggy pants, like everything. Super XL um, polo shirt, all of that. <laughs> and um, yeah, because then the biggest thing on in Fashion Week. And um, that to me just showed like mm. not only that, okay, now people are making money out of it, but also like this is now a respected style. This is a respected culture. Um, mm. And that is also still happening. So obviously for people to not just look at people who are rapping and be like, ah, oh, what is this mumbling and cussing about? But to really be like, no, these people are poets. Like Kendrick Lamar really really deserves this Pulitzer Prize <laughs> like this is a poet like, yes absolutely high level artistry I think for that it is super important and yes. now when it comes to ballroom culture that intersection with the LGBTQI community um, brings the mm-hmm. same thing to also be like okay there's narratives that we didn't look at and then like these people are not just like moving like crazy in the club but it really is art and it's beautiful and the aesthetics around it and like it gains respect. But then again, when we're talking about it before, mm-hmm. it's like who wins, who loses, what is the intention? It is difficult because then let's not forget that also um, when we talk about hip hop and stay to stay with this analogy, there was moments at the Grammys where you were just like, is this really happening? Like this award, there's no way. Like how's this, how's this happening? And um, I just, I just, um, mm-hmm. I am afraid a little um, to, to, uh, to be like, okay, who's ultimately going to benefit from this? Um, who's going to be overlooked? And um, how mm. can it stay? 
yeah exactly. is the power is distributed power distributed well mm. what is going back into the community um how sustainable is the hype like all of these things worry me but that yeah i'm just trying to mm. do my part into um into making sure that the narrative and the like everything that i know gets gets passed along um and i yeah. try to check myself constantly but i have a million blind spots myself um i must say yeah, i yeah. have the best mentors in the united mm -hmm. states it's to me amazing to have like had the chance to meet the founding father of the house of saint Laurent, who um who founded the house in 1982 and to really from people who made ballroom what it is have strong advice um mm -hmm. ready and answers for all of my questions um so yeah mm. How, how much would you say so from what i understand the ballroom community is similar to the hip-hop community it's not just it's not solely the dance culture and the effect culture so the style the fashion and everything that comes with that but also a strong sense of community service or the advancement of specifically marginalized groups in that ballroom um world or in that ballroom culture that, Did I it is correct i mean that's how it's Because you said, for example, if you, if you, I think you can train for free if you're also part of serving yeah, the I mean, community, like, for, um, just for example. I feel like, yeah, obviously, like, uh, the gatekeepers of this community found their ways and, like, made space and claimed spaces for other people to come so that there can be spaces where people can train and do things. Um, mm. But, yeah. How much pressure does do you have being that interface sometimes into like the commercial world or that so-called gatekeeper? Um, or uh, do you feel pressure to always kind of be um, sustainable or to make sure that it is sustainable? And how difficult is is it to um, speak up for for the community in spaces where you might be the only one being booked or where it's like a fin like a financial question? Um, and you have to kind of make a decision, the, like these kinds of um, situations. And have you observed people of the community kind of like exploiting yeah. it? I don't know how to call it. Like in the black in the <laughs> black community, we call it like the house Negro, you know, who's keeping everybody yeah. in check, but he's actually benefiting the most yeah. and then treating his own people so, the worst. I mean, ultimately, at the end. Yeah. you would have some have to ask somebody else that, obviously, right? Because like, I mean, oh, okay. I can, I can say how I feel about it, but like you would have to go into the community and ask somebody else about how they think I'm doing a job as like being the person that I am. Oh no! Um, yeah, I wasn't asking about how. Yeah. If, if you do a good yeah, job, but like how you feel I in feel, that position. I feel exactly that. I feel like I'm mm. trying, and I hope <laughs> I'm doing okay. Um. So ultimately, mm. um, my kids yeah. or somebody else's kids who I teach as well would have to answer that. But I must say. Um, I feel I used to feel a lot of pressure I don't anymore because to me definitely mm. it is like two different things still like ballroom is ballroom and then the commercial world is the commercial world right now the commercial world has interest mm -hmm. in voguing that can stop tomorrow like it can for them be just a mm. hype yeah 
And then I love, and I think yeah. Georgina especially is doing like an amazing job with that um, to, um, and also other people like uh, Zoera Gucci, the mother of the um, German mother of the house of Gucci is also doing like amazing with that to try to like distribute mm -hmm. to other people and be like, you should ask them. Or if you book me, I choose my own people. And then I bring like, 15 ballroom kids with me yeah like um i think that is amazing mm -hmm. and then also like we've been talking about so much about the business so just because you're in ballroom doesn't mean that you want to aspire a professional career in dancing or fashion it doesn't mean that some people mm. are psychology students and they just love ballroom and they don't want to be like a professional dancer like not everybody has this aspiration and then also just because like you're super super maybe the best performer in ballroom also maybe you're not you don't feel home on a big stage for a show business world where it's about different things so it is like I think mm. the notion to think that everybody who participates in ballroom wants to be, in quotation marks, famous is not right. It's not correct. Mm. Um, but for those who, who want to aspire certain things or want to have access to certain things, then I think at least in Germany, I must say I'm like more or less, more or less happy at, at at least with the development on how we as a mm -hmm. community stand together. Also, when we have conflicts with one another, there's like a lot of talk, there's a lot of trust, and most important, there's a lot of transparency. So it never happens that, mm -hmm. it never happened before that I was looking at somebody getting booked, really, and I was like, like really minor things, obviously, but like not for like important things. Mm -hmm. somebody would get booked and I'd be like how the hell did that happen like I feel like um, mm. I feel like also that the industry approaches the parents of the houses in Germany most of the times so more or less I think I think we're still but you see how slow I talk so I'm like careful with what I say but I feel like we're still okay yeah, yeah. but I know that like it's growing mm -hmm. so fast and like like it's 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 bigger than five or six leading people in Germany it's bigger than that and like we can't control yeah. everything and ultimately we won't so um I don't know what's going to happen to it but I personally don't feel that pressure anymore because I just know that I give all that I can give to the community and that doesn't have necessarily to do with like or selling with, out um, with the commercial world mm -hmm. in general because some things the way that mm -hmm. I give back to the community doesn't need to be because I I have them booked for a job there's other things that are important for this community mm. there's way way other things that are important for this community so They go be they go beyond um, yeah, getting or, or money let's in say their pockets. Getting money in their pockets through commercial work. Not everybody wants to do that. But like, do they have mm. are they in a good, stable mental state? Do I, do they have somebody to talk to? Do they have um knowledge mm. about um 
where they where they can turn to if they have issues with their parents what if somebody gets kicked out what if mm. where do they get financial aid who goes to um the mm. bureaucracy of things if somebody doesn't speak german and they're here and they seek um um funding for something who helps them translate stuff mm. and is everybody good with their taxes how are they doing in school um Are they confused about like identity, identity, identity or sexuality? Is there like reason to talk? Um, is, is the health all right? Like there's so many other things um, that come way before, um, before a commercial booking. A commercial yeah. booking. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that, that's, yeah, I guess that's only me looking from the outside in, obviously, because my first touch point is yeah. co a commercial touch point, clearly, right? For example, you did this interview with Vogue magazine, what I read. I want to say Congress, Congress, but I don't know if it it's Congress, Congress or not. It was amazing for me, and also <laughs> okay. I'm super thankful for um, Hela Schneider, um, who, um, who did the article, because uh, for a person um, from a subculture to to be featured in such an like amazing platform as in Vogue Germany. She didn't mm. really have to do that. And um, she decided to give me like a full speech within not just making it like a little article, but to have it like a full blown interview, which was amazing. Um, so that actually yeah. was amazing, but I can say like to come back to like to how I found my niche to me, When it comes to ballroom, mm -hmm. um, I found ballroom and it gave me higher purpose. So in my art, it resonates and I love all the things that I learned about myself and about the world and that I'm still learning through ballroom being there. Um, and that is my mm -hmm. absolute priority. So if people, I didn't like... Six years ago, I could have never imagined to have people that people approach me from a commercial side because of what I do in ballroom. I would have never imagined. That's not what I signed mm. up for. Like, not at all. Like, I did not see it coming. Mm. I'm that serious. Like, the first balls that we did here, it was so small. Like, nobody cared, literally. So, I would have never... I didn't see it coming. Mm. Like, I didn't know. So... And then also, I'm mm. super aware that maybe in two years, maybe in a year, nobody cares anymore. Also, then I will still be a ballroom. And also, if nobody calls me or wants to know about this, I will still be in ballroom. So for me, I don't, I, I, I don't care if people like it or not. I'm still like here for it 100%. And um, I've worked as a commercial dancer and model before I was a ballroom and I'm still going to do that as well. But like it doesn't, to me, it doesn't need to intertwine. Yeah. But where it intertwines though, like I want to be part of the conversation, obviously. But like if it doesn't anymore, then I don't care. I still like ballroom has my heart. Yeah. You're still good with it. 
Yeah, I mean, that, that's that's essentially, in the beginning, we were talking yeah. about the panel that we were both on. Um, Just for everyone to understand, we were both invited on, like, on a panel that did a sim- kind of a, a sim- simultation of the YouTube channel Middle Ground. And we discussed the question of should minorities or subcultures work with commercial brands, yes or no. And, um, yeah, we just had a discussion. And uh, Sophie and I, we were both on the side of we should. And I think we had very valid uh, argument points very valid points about that um but how do you um how do you work through eventually the community i don't know whether ballroom community or the black community um challenging you on that like uh, how do you process through it so for me with carlcon for example i got um a lot of like also shit storms um in regards to working with like big a big soda brand for example to have them as a sponsor um and other things which actually helped me to keep the mm. prizes affordable for my community um as well as also uh, help me leverage uh, other commercial brands just to finance mm-hmm. a 35,000 euro production so that my my target group mm. my niche which is black women uh, predominantly can yes, have a yes. high quality event experience right so i wanted them yes. to have the same quality as like a white event of that category yeah. and that costs the same money because yeah. i don't get things yeah. cheaper just because i'm black uh, or even <laughs> probably be more expensive because I'm black, <laughs> and um, I could like I got a lot of hate, and I you know there's like so much you can try to explain to people, and then uh, at some point I said okay, I just have to accept the fact that there is a group of people that will never um, kind of never accept yeah. it and feel that I'm selling out. Yeah. Also yeah. for doing a commercial event, yeah, because Carlcon is commercial, right? We yeah. have an educational factor we are on the main stage definitely yeah. we teach workshops which are educational um but uh, the same in the same sheet of music it's very commercial like hair beauty yeah. and lifestyle is like com- super commercial um yeah how do like how do you work through those things like do you get those messages or are you challenged in that area where people say uh you are exploiting bo- the ballroom mm-hmm. culture yeah. so for right now gain um, right now status quo yeah that is not what i'm experiencing mm-hmm. I mm-hmm. feel like right now, um, awesome. from my community, I get a lot of love and a lot of trust. But that is also because I constantly mm-hmm. let myself be checked. And like just a month ago, I gave like a big, big amount of the community a survey, like a literally, like a literal survey where they had that. Like a long written like text. A, or no, it wasn't like a, a written text. It was a questionnaire. Yeah. Oh, a questionnaire. They could, like they. Um, okay. Sorry. They could mm-hmm. let me know, and um, without saying who they are, um, if they think that I'm fit mm-hmm. to hold these Anonymous. sessions, and um, if there's anything that they want to tell me, like I give space to criticism a lot in my community. And I feel, mm-hmm. I feel like I get a lot of love and trust from the community. And I'm super thankful for that. So right now, that is not my reality mm-hmm. that people are like, oh. Um, and I talk about things that are uncomfortable in my community a lot. I talk about privileges all the time. I talk about, and I'm super, like, mm-hmm. I'm, you cannot, like, I am aware of my privileges in my community. I am a black woman, but also I'm a, I'm light skin and like I have long hair and I'm skinny and like um, I'm cisgender and people read read me 
and people read me as hetero Pretty. and like all of these things like I, I completely understand like uh where I maneuver mm-hmm. um and and I understand that I cannot understand the realities of other people like a non-gender conforming black girl for example like mm-hmm. or a trans mm-hmm. woman like that is different realities i'm not going to pretend like i can understand because i cannot understand but i feel like with open dialogue and like with addressing these things rather than not to speak of them because you're afraid that somebody is gonna say that you don't deserve to be in this and that is what builds Mm. trust and but i must also say that it wasn't always like that just to feed into your experiences so um at the beginning, mm-hmm. um, not necessarily me on the forefront because I myself was so new to it, but definitely Georgina or also me, like every cis woman um, that was in the house of Melody got a lot of flack for doing this culture and being here and throwing balls and teaching what we knew because they were like, it's not a... Mm-hmm cis woman culture and also Georgina got Mm -hmm. so much she got attacked a lot for it but then at the end of the day now she doesn't anymore Mm -hmm. and people call her a pioneer and she has gained the trust of the community because she really showed over the years that her intentions and like her um what she gave back and like she was about it like really really to create something not just for Mm -hmm. herself but especially for other people so I've I I kind of I remember those days and I also don't want to miss them though because Mm -hmm. with that being confronted with this sort of criticism criticism which is valid people can ask you why as you, you as a cisgender woman some of some of them uh, in House of Melody also hetero. Why are you here? Mm-hmm. Why do you feel like you need to do this? Mm. That is a valid question. It is a valid question. Um, but and it's and I don't want to miss being asked like why you as a cisgender woman. Um, why are you here? Because then I can think of why am I here. And I can and reflect on it and say, and like, okay, why it, am yeah. I really here? What mm-hmm. is this really about? Yeah. So if you drop like the defense mechanism mm-hmm. and like understand and reflect, then you find your voice and you find your purpose. So I don't want to miss those kind of conversations and I am happy to still have them. But right now I don't feel like I'm mm-hmm. being attacked. I feel like it's vice versa. I feel like people are rooting for me and I feel like people are being happy for me. So um, I'm super glad that that is so. That's awesome. This, uh, this sounds fantastic. <clears throat> so, Mel- um, sorry, Melody. Georgina yeah. kind of did the pioneering work and paved the way for people to be, yeah. to be more open and re- receiving um, when you joined and you, ob- you observed the whole process. Which, yeah. yeah, it's definitely super valuable awesome 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 oh my god i learned so much yes. in this in this session i feel like we are doing a whole workshop <laughs> and i know i'm already over time i am not i would please don't kill this me. conversation short because it was a very nice conversation and you're always so busy we never get time to talk <laughs> <laughs> yeah like, that's true this corona yes. gave me gave me more time girl definitely gave me more time what would you say is like now 
now being back like focusing more on on germany would be the biggest differences in your industry from like other countries like, like what would you say germany still has to learn when it comes to like dancing so or when it comes to ballroom culture? culture i'm gonna start with that because again like for me those are two different things like mm -hmm. i wouldn't want to look at it at ballroom and mm -hmm. call it like a commercial space because that's not what i want it to be and i don't think it is um mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. When it comes to um, ballroom culture, then I think um, what European, not only German, but like other European countries as well, have to learn still um, is the whole topic of cultural appropriation because the demographics of, um, of the original place of that culture are so different than from what we have mm -hmm. in Europe, especially Germany, because Germany is very white. Mm -hmm. um lgbtqi mm -hmm. yes or not but regardless it is still very white and harlem is not so, so um the demographics are so <laughs> different and one has to understand that um the african-american experience is super unique and everything that emerged out of it i said that at the mm -hmm. beginning of the whole interview is like crucial to the culture of black people so it is not just ballroom culture but this is like mm -hmm. black culture as well and there's only so many things of like you know like it is very sacred and so you know so um mm -hmm. because people identify with their all as this culture so obviously if you take mm -hmm. it out of harlem mm -hmm. it's already never what it was in harlem and it is already an appropriation to have it outside of harlem that is what i believe yeah mm -hmm. um and then mm -hmm. i think we have to understand that in order to like honor its heritage and have the correct narrative um and also mm -hmm. to avoid people of color in ballroom being triggered by um, people that are not of color and just I feel people have to still mm -hmm. school themselves a little bit of different privileges because the demographics being so different because in Germany or in Europe it is mm -hmm. not uh, it is not more black people in ballroom than white people that is not the case and there's also a lot of Mm. girls in ballroom and like you have to yeah I feel like that is the challenge for European ballroom culture and then when it comes to the dance industry I feel like that Germany um, Germany is under appreciating the art of dance in general and I don't know why that is like Mm. If it comes to mm -hmm. people always want dancers because it resonates, it works, it always has, it moves, it's beautiful, um, it's storytelling. It's storytelling. Um, that's why mm. people want dancers. But they, they, in Germany, they hesitate to give artists, not only dancers, but dancers as well, the same rights when it comes to um mm. yeah to to all things structurally and financially as as other work groups um right now with the mm -hmm. times of corona a lot of dancers are struggling immensely because there's n yeah and there's no funding oh, that is specifically are, are, for yeah. that work group and i don't understand why that is 
So I feel like Germany has to do way mm. better in appreciating the art form of dance and really see it as a real job and not be like, oh, but what do you want to do mm. after? Or um, can you really make money out of it? Because it is a real profession. It is not just a joke that people are doing on the sidelines. Yeah. It takes a lot of training, lifetime dedication to to be a dancer and make your mm. body do this. So I think Germany is incredibly good mm -hmm. at um, underestimating this art form and not appreciating this art form and exploiting this art form. So I think when it comes to commercial world, Germany has to do way better in understanding yeah. how moving and, and um, uh, universal the language of dance is. Um, and that is what I would really, really mm. hope for. Awesome. This reminds me of a quote from a friend of mine. And um, I don't know if it's like if she said it or if it's just their general slogan, but it's um, take us off your mood exactly boards that. and put us on your payroll. You know how many times that actually happened? <laughs> oh, I like Do you know how many times people called me or still call me and are like, I just saw you on a mood board at Zalando. And I'm like, girl. Oh, I have wow. not received a call. But like it happens to be like I've seen those mood boards. I'm on mood boards all the time. And I'm like Yeah. I'm I like, make mood boards all the time. <laughs> I feel I feel exploited. <laughs> Brand. Yes. For so, their so called yes, activation. Yeah. That's the way to say it. Yeah. That's what needs to happen. What is your definition of success? Ooh, um How would you define success? That is, I think I'm trying to figure that out um, because. Because did, did, you, did you have a definition before, which is now not like, okay, that doesn't fit no, anymore. Yeah. So I think out? when I was younger, as all mm -hmm. of us, a teenager or maybe in my early 20s, mm -hmm. I was like, <laughs> by the time I'm 32, I'm going to have this big apartment and this amazing car and I'm going to have this house mm -hmm. and then hence I'm successful. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Don't forget yeah, the husband, husband and or wife in child. case. <laughs> or child. But like oh, yeah, yeah. back in the day, that was like mm -hmm. what you would imagine. And then you grow older and then eventually you go into uni for a hot minute and you drop out or you stay in, but you're miserable or like you're just figuring out life in general. And then you you kind of find that there's like, you need a bigger calling. You need to find a calling and that ultimately becomes more important than money because you then start making money and you're like, ah, mm. sometimes it's more money. Sometimes I'm broke. A lot of times I'm broke, but do I really care? Like then you're like, you under, right. You understand that it's like, so your fleeting. happiness yeah. does not necessarily go along with like your, your, your financial status. For example, last year, mm. 2019, financially was my lowest income year in the last 10 years due to that I completely mm -hmm. put my focus on art and I turned down many jobs and then for mm -hmm. a lot of things I didn't get booked anymore, but I was the happiest and I made almost mm. half the money that I made the year before. I was happy. And you were I still found fine. My calling. I was completely happy. Okay, cool. So then you figure that out. But then ultimately, now I'm like, well, but I also deserve to be 
to my work and my creativity being valued also in money and stability mm-hmm. and content so yeah mm-hmm. exactly and the I ease in life the to sense be of able freedom. to provide for myself and others I want to have the same share of a cake that other people get like I'm not even asking for crazy things mm. I just want like the same shit you know so now I feel like mm-hmm. I have to redefine mm-hmm. success for myself to not only see it as be- as like this internal I found my calling because that I have and in in that sense I feel I'm super successful and super blessed because I know what I get up for every day. Mm-hmm. I know. I know a lot of people don't know mm. and that makes them miserable and for me that is not the case. So I already succeeded with figuring yeah. that out for myself and I feel like Once you figure that out for yourself, mm. you already made a huge success. Um, but then also, yeah. can you actually make this one piece happen? Can you actually successfully fill a room? Can you be like, there's also other things that um, I maybe two years ago thought of like, oh, but this is so shallow to look at success in that way. But I feel like for me, it is also mm-hmm. kind of the thing because I also want recognition partly probably also for mm-hmm. my ego i'm just being honest here but also mm-hmm. besides the ego no that's absolutely fine what is it good for then i want other people like i want change so if yeah. i'm not successful and i don't make alarm and cause commotion then disruption for the next yeah. girl in 10 years who's trying to get funding for a light installation that she made, it will be the same thing. So, yeah, that mm. I find, um, I find uh, that is that is what I what I strive for right now as in success to to uh, make change. Yeah. What a beautiful way to close. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you so much for calling me. Absolutely. Thank you so for much for being on my podcast. Ah. Am Thank I allowed? So like, much. am I allowed to come to a show at some of point? Of course, of course. You, I'm gonna keep you in the loop. Unfortunately, like everything with Corona, everything is on hold right now. Yeah, same All for the me. balls that were planned are canceled. But um, as soon as life returns back to normal, or let's hope that life comes out more, even better, better, and like mm-hmm. in a in a more healed and focused uh, order mm. um, so all of this was good for something yeah um, let's hope for that and like as soon as that is the case um I you let me know. know of course i'd love to come please stay safe and everybody who listens stay safe um stay uh healthy yes, yes. and um take good care meditate hydrate yeah masturbate <laughs> I was about to say it and then I was like just don't say it but thank you so much great minds think alike absolutely <laughs> we need to girl. stay sane we need to try it time <laughs> okay. oh, alright Sophie have Take a good care. day cheers you too bye bye We've come to the end. Thank you so much for listening. Until next week, stay curious and stay sharp.